the, the ironic thing about SD WANs today, they are they come in boxes in appliances. So they're <laughs> software defined, but they come in a in a box. That seems so, wrong. Hi, and welcome to Backup Central's Restored All Podcast. I'm your host, W. Curtis Preston, a.k.a. Mr. Backup. And I have with me what I'm really hoping is becoming a vermiculture enthusiast, Prasanna Maliande. How's it going, Prasanna? Good, Curtis. I did not expect to see so many worm photos and videos <laughs> in text this weekend, but it looks it, they look fascinating, I must say. Well, it was, um, it, was it was a big weekend. It was a big weekend in the Preston vermiculture, uh, which for those verma is Latin for worm. Vermiculture means making compost via worms and feeding them to your, you know, feeding feeding them your kitchen scraps and whatnot. And so I, so this weekend was the harvest. <laughs> well, yeah, the harvest. Yeah, uh, because I'm prepping for spring. Which you know here in here in San Diego. Sorry for the rest of you where, where you're still covered in snow, but uh, here in San Diego, it's uh, you know it's spring, so I need to get my my um, my compost. The basically worm castings is the official name, otherwise known as worm poop, uh, and and harvest that, uh, which means separating the worms from that, which involves a massive bait bait and switch operation i i which, actually thought that was yeah. really fascinating your bait and switch operation and i like i never yeah. expected that worms wouldn't want to move from like old stuff to new stuff yeah like that yeah. and how you kind of have to trick them which is really yeah. a bait and switch yeah and so you you just uh you just don't feed one into the bin it, 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 it just imagine a plastic tub you know uh it's a i think it's a 10 gallon uh plastic tub and then you just don't feed them for a few weeks. And then you put some really yummy stuff, which for those of you that don't know, rotten vegetables uh, and fruits, and especially, <laughs> especially rotten fruits. Uh, you put that on, on on one end of the bin and lo and behold, you come back a week later and 99% of the worms are down there. I don't know how they figure it out. They have no ears, no eyes, no, you know, no smell. So I don't know how they figure it out, but they get it down there and then you take the rest and you sort it through it. You filter it. Um, and, um, you have, you know, in my case, I have about 20 gallons of, um, vermicompost, um, which will then be fed to my, uh, Your my garden. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so that's my big, that's my big weekend. <laughs> so mm -hmm. are, you, are you ready to start your own? You ready to start your own project? Did, uh, with worms? Your, your own, your yeah, own worm? Yeah. Worm? No, yeah. I don't think my wife will go for that. No, I don't think. Yeah. It's very, it's very, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, uh vegetarian friendly. You but know, have you named your worms? But no, they're, it's like containers. You don't, you don't, <laughs> they're, <laughs> they're cattle, not pets. Um, <laughs> I have thousands of them, but in my house, we do refer to them as my friends, yeah. which is a little sad. My, my wife yeah my wife and kids they'll, they'll be they'll have some some kitchen scraps or they'll, they'll have some banana peels or you think your friends will like this and i'm like and it, it always takes me like a half a second i'm like <laughs> oh oh you mean my friend yeah 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 my friends will like that that rotten banana peel they will love that stuff yeah um so we have we have a new guest uh this week uh before i bring him on let me just throw out our our standard disclaimer 
I, um, Prasanna and I do both work for Druva. This is not a Druva podcast. The opinions that you hear are ours. And uh, also, also, yeah, if you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, if you want to talk about, you know, things relating to backup, data protection, disaster recovery, archive, security, anything about like keeping the data safe or bringing it back, you know, anything in that general And horror stories. Yeah, we love horror Horror. stories. We love you to come on and tell us why you hate your backup software um, or why you love your backup. Maybe you're one of those weird people that actually love your backup software. No, I'm sure there are people who like the backup software saved their the company. Oh and yeah, like, okay, okay, yeah, right? yeah. So they so they love it because of that, right? It's a sort of that. I think that still would qualify as what we call a love hate relationship. But mm. anyway, <laughs> if if you if you you know if you love you hate your backup software, whatever, come on and we would love to have you. We're we're happy to conceal the your actual name or your company name. Um, you know, we we've, we've had couple of uh anonymous guests i know we've had uh harry potter ron weasley uh, you know as guests on the on the, on the podcast and then also rate this podcast at rate this slash restore uh so that we can you know help find other people like you and help them find the podcast so we have a new guest i was uh perusing his bio prior to uh, being on here and i was i, I was super impressed that uh, you know he's he's been in IT for 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 quite a long time, but what what I found interesting about his career was that he was getting his master's in in computer science while also being a CEO of of companies. I, I was like, okay, that sounds really interesting. But he is now a founder and CEO of Ananda Networks. Welcome to the podcast, uh, Adi Rupin. How's it going, Adi? Hello, thanks for having me. Are you Superman? Do you never sleep? Is that how it kind of went? You did complete your master's. Somehow I did that, yeah. It says 2000 to 2006, and you founded your first company, SofaWare, in 99. By the way, I was I was finishing my first book in uh, August of 99. Uh, writing one, not, 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 reading, not, not reading my first book. But the, another interesting thing, looking at your bio, you have been uh, quite successful at having companies acquired by other companies, which is always, you know, nice to have that, that equity event. And now you're at, uh, Ananda Networks, which was formerly, how did you pronounce the previous name of the company? So, yeah, we start, so I'm, I'm a three, four, three in the, um, company acquisition, yeah. first company acquisition. And uh, this one is my fourth then. And it started, uh, we called it eight E 14 networks at first, and then we changed the name to Ananda. So what and was eight, the reason behind the yeah the original yeah eight e fourteen probably means something to security folks or something. It's well, kind of. It was part of my our where first we wanted to have this stealthy name to it, so that was part of the aura of mystery. But but beyond that, it was actually a great recruiting tool, great uh, tool to also see if your investors are actually curious about what you do, because unless they kind of ask that, if they don't care, that already tell you something about the people you're talking to. <laughs> So it was like a conversation topic. Gotcha. Nice. Like, why is it called AD14? Right. So first of all, we check, do you even care why? And are you trying to kind of guess? Because we had, so every candidate that we interviewed also came up with their own guesses why we're calling the company Ah. AD14. (laughs) And some of the guesses were actually probably better than my original thinking behind it. So what were some of the creative ones that you remember? I think one of my favorite ones was probably um, season eight, episode 14 of something and then they looked at it looked it up and they found uh the walking dead 
<laughs> and it's called uh, the episode name is "This Means Something." So, very interesting. That's, <laughs> what wasn't that's my intention funny. though? That's funny. I, I I'm actually still still I will say still a Walking Dead fan, uh, having watched the latest episode as of last night. Um, it's been oh, on nice. for a long time. It, it they've now announced uh, it. It's got two more seasons, and then they're done. But yeah, so so you didn't name it after a Walking Dead episode, I'm guessing. So no, that was not my intent. What what I meant to, what my intention behind it was uh, that eighty fourteen is the uh, basically the exponent eight to times ten to the power of fourteen, which is obviously the frequency of ultraviolet light. Of course, because we, of course, right? Of course, and and which I knew is going to be something nerdy like that <laughs> which is invisible right so we said okay we're making these invisible networks why don't we call them something like that hmm. now, i had one person with, actually with a phd in physics that almost guessed it almost he was pretty close <laughs> interesting interesting yeah i would not have guessed that in a million years but people are close about the exponent probably you know like a computer you know they, they think about that Right. They get pretty close. And so what? what's the, so Ananda, what's the logic behind the new name? So what, what Ananda means for those of you who don't speak Sanskrit or practice yoga, otherwise you usually know that. Uh, I, I don't practice yoga. I just found, you know, stumbled across this name and, and liked it. Uh, so one, it starts with an A. So it means we're, we come first in many of these, uh, you know, yeah. awards and, and, and shows. <laughs> so that's reason one. But no, but what Ananda means uh, in Sanskrit, it means the ultimate state of joy or bliss. Huh. I, so I, again, have, I have practiced yoga and I, I, I guess I wasn't good enough. I never got to that <laughs> state. The best I could accomplish was Savasana, which is, you know, this mm-hmm. <laughs> pretending to be dead. <laughs> <laughs> but you were asking about, do, do you like your VPN? Do you like your backup? Yeah. Yeah. So this is really where we were coming from because uh, I was thinking, having done cybersecurity for like 20 years in three different companies, I was thinking nobody likes their VPN. It's something that you're kind of coerced to use by the, the company because it's not secure otherwise, and right. you always kind of bitch about it. And we said, okay, and, and or, or in the, uh, if you take the Marie Kondo approach, you know, if it doesn't spark joy, you know, get rid of it. So we felt this doesn't, you know, VPNs don't spark joy. I like it. No, they do not spark joy. I, I've yes. never, I've never known anyone that said I love. It's like it's like the backup software thing. No one like loves their backup software. It's just it's a necessary. It's a, yeah, yeah. You know, it's a necessary evil, right? Um, yeah. yeah so that... interest, interestingly enough, Druva, the company that where uh, where Persona and I work, it's also a Sanskrit name. It means the North Star. So can you? Talk a little bit. I know you just mentioned cybersecurity and people hate VPN. So how do you guys sort of solve this problem? Like, what do you guys do? So, yeah. So, um, as I said, I just give you the background of, of how we got there. So, you know, so having spent uh, many years in, in cybersecurity and uh, starting a few different companies and, and then uh, meeting with my co-founder, who's been in the networking business and started like six different companies. So between us, it was like our 10th or 11th company at, at the oh time. Gosh. Crazy. <laughs> yeah. We were basically frustrated with the state of security and networking. And, you know, when we kind of talked about it, we realized that the reason, the kind of the original sin that we're, you know, that, that has to do with the, all the problems that we're facing is that we're essentially using the internet as it was designed back in the 60s. 
there hasn't been much change in, in the protocols, in the way it works. I mean, the la- last kind of really significant addition was uh, the BGP protocol for routing. And that was in the 80s. And it's famously written on three napkins in a restaurant. And you, you can find these napkins. You can, you can look it up. And that really? was the latest addition. Yes. So basically, we're using something that was designed in the 60s. It's when people, it was, uh, when it was designed, nobody was thinking about security, right? Nobody was thinking about uh, the performance of the network. Nobody was even thinking about how to connect two different LANs together. It was all about a DARPA project of you know, hitting a button and launching a missile. Mm-hmm. So none of these were taken into account. And somehow, miraculously, we're still using it today, and it kind of works, and it's a miracle. But uh, it doesn't really work the way it should, right? You know, take security. That can, we, can, we can do better on the security side, for sure. And if you take, uh, you know, all the other networking aspects as well, you know, you know take the VPN. People are not mm-hmm. quite having fun using the, the tools that we have. And... Really to connect, especially if you're talking about a business or an enterprise, when you're trying to connect them securely to their clouds, to the data center, it's, an, it's a highly distributed environment now because everybody's working from home, they're working from branches, mm-hmm. they're, working, you know, they're connecting to clouds and SaaS and, and data centers. So it, it becomes really complicated. And what we are doing with the internet is basically putting Band-Aids on it. We're putting patches. That's why you need a firewall because there's no security on the internet. And that's why you need a VPN because there's no encryption on it. And you need an SD-WAN because you cannot rely on the on the quality of service. And you need a CASB because you're talking to the cloud. What's a CASB and what's an SD-WAN? Yeah, we, yeah you threw out a couple acronyms there. You got to define yeah. them. CASB is a cloud access security broker or something like that. So that's another incarnation of the firewall for, for the cloud. So every, every type of communication, every type of application, that's old silo of solutions that you need to put in place. Uh, so it's just a mess. And basically, we were growing frustrated with that and saying, why do you need all these patches? Why, why is it the patchwork of things? And, and is, it, is it a, it's sort of, it sounds like it's the standard problem of all of the, and we have this problem in the backup world as well, that all of the solutions, the, the, you know, the solutions trying to solve a particular problem, they have to be built on top of and work seamlessly with TCP IP. By the way, I was designed in, in the 60s for the record. And, you know, <laughs> I, I'm not ready to throw me out. So, by the way, there was another, you threw out the SD-WAN as well. Why don't you define that? Yeah, it's software-defined WAN or, or MPLS. That's the earlier incarnation of that. These are kind of the telco type services you get to connect your branches together and so on. When I look at that and you say you want to solve this problem, I get the same sort of feeling that I do in the backup space where I say, well, in order to start from scratch and do something else, you fall very quickly into the, you're trying to boil the ocean. So how do, how do you avoid that? Uh, and or you know, the, the other, the throwing out the baby with the bathwater, just to, just to throw in another idiom. I'll stop talking now. <laughs> so for, for me, it was uh, um, just a matter of, of solving the problem, solving it better, but also solving it elegantly. Uh, because, I mean, you kind of, you can make things work for you with all these things, all the patchwork of, of you know, piping and rotten piping, and, you, know, be, you know, below the ground or whatever it is. But, um, but when you think about it, this is, you know, there must be a better way. There must be a more elegant way of doing this. And 
and, and again, if you think about all the problems, what we are essentially doing is solving for the, the symptoms and not the problem. So what we're saying, okay, how about solving the core problem here versus kind of trying to mitigate the symptoms? And the core problem is the internet. So our approach is this. Why don't we try to build it the right way? Now, and this is where, where it comes, uh, your idiom comes up and, okay, how, how do we do that without demolishing everything else? And, and this That's is what... challenge, yeah. Yes. And this is exactly what we're doing. Uh, what we are doing is basically something that's called an overlay network. So it's not physically going and replacing the internet with the internet two or three. Uh, there was an internet two. Uh, it, it's basically building a software-based overlay, which is you know our own protocol that that just works the way it should have worked, and and layering it on top of the internet itself. So it's a it's a new layer. And as long as you're using our layer of the internet or you know the internet that we provide you, then we can build into it the security that's missing. We can build into it this performance that's missing, the reliability, and just makes it much easier. How do you build a reliable network on top of an unreliable network? Right. That's a good question because... That's a secret sauce. I mean, I can see how you can build a secure network on top of an insecure one. I don't see how to do, you know, how did you do it? <laughs> So, so the first principle, just to make sure, uh, is that if you build it into one layer, the performance, the connectivity, performance, and the security aspects, then they work well together. If you kind of bolt it on or you, you know, use the same patchwork, then you're making something more secure than you're at the same time. You're making it slower and you're making mm -hmm. it easier. You make it less secure. So these, this, this triangle is something that everybody has to cope with. But if you can really put them all in the same layer and, and, and solve them at the same time, you can make it much better. So that's one of the secrets behind okay. it. You're saying in order to do it right, you you kind of have to, again, with the boil the ocean thing, you kind of have to do it all. But by doing it all as one, you know, beginning to end solution, you can actually be more reliable and more secure and more performant. At the same time. Yeah. With a, so and, and uh, so that, that's part of it. Sorry. Going back to my old networking knowledge, um, there's the OSI model with the various layers that you can have, right? Like the seven layers. Um, could you say kind of where you're thinking? So would this be sort of like your layer four, layer five? I think I were toying with calling it layer eight or nine or whatever, but but it's really it's really an overlay. So we give you a layer three, like an internet, ethernet type network. Mm -hmm. uh, it looks like that, but it's actually an overlay that okay. we do on top of the internet. Gotcha. So, so as far as you're concerned, you're sending out. You have a like a network interface. You're sending your in, you know, your traffic somewhere, but it actually goes over our network versus the internet. One of the things you mentioned was uh, everybody's remote. You have you have stuff in the cloud. You have stuff in the data center. And the model that <clears throat> the model that you described was definitely built around the data center, right? The whole the original model, and then with firewalls, Origin, yeah. right? That, that's that's what we had because all the data was in the data center, right? And now so many companies don't even have data centers. And if they do have a data center, it's not the center of data anymore, right? Their data is mm -hmm. all over the place. So you're saying that this that this, uh, this model that you have, it, it can work with all of those things? So I think that's, a, yeah, that's exactly the thing. So, I mean, security and networking were always, was always kind of a patchwork. But now, as you become increasingly distributed, you know, when you have the data centers and edge devices and, sorry, and in the clouds and SaaS and 5G, right? Then it becomes kind of untenable. You need to find, you, we need to stop 
trying to solve a distributed problem with the centralized old centralized firewall solution. And that's pretty much what everybody's trying to do and kind of force this to solve the problem. And so, so as you said, why, why do we think this, this works reliably uh, for this distributed network is because we are actually building this new layer and we're building it to be also distributed uh, the same way the enterprise is. So we're not saying we built this box, firewall, VPN, whatever, what have you, and now we use our box, it's slightly better. What we're saying, no, we built an overlay network, it's also distributed. So we, we, we are solving a distributed problem with a distributed network versus trying to somehow make the old solution work for a, for a new distributed network. How does a computer, everything from a laptop to a server in a data center, how does that computer connect to your your mm -hmm. network? So essentially all you need to do, it, it, it's something, it looks a, little, a lot like Slack. So, you know, when you connect to Slack, you have, you build these channels, right? And you, in the channels, you put the people's identities and the user. And if two, the two of us are on the same channel, we can communicate, right? That's how Slack works. We, man, we, met, we wanted to make this kind of the same metaphor for networking. So you have a cloud-based service. Uh, if you define these channels, we call them, you know, they're private networks. So we can define one for finance and they can access, you know, all the finance people can access SAP and we have uh, the engineering, they can access JIRA and their whatever, QA environments. And, and it's all it's done by identity in the cloud. And then they just need to install our software. It's a software-only solution. There's no need for hardware anymore. That's another problem with, you know, uh, the past are a lot of different boxes that we need to maintain and, and, and they don't really scale. They don't really work in the cloud. We need to move beyond hardware as well. So cloud-based, software-based, defined like Slack. So all you need is to deploy the software. It can take 15 minutes. Everything meshes together into this new type of network. And then it looks like you're on a LAN. It looks like everybody on the, on the same network. And all this kind of uh, heavy lifting of making sure it's encrypted and secure and, you know, segmentation, acceleration. We do all that as part of the this new network of ours. And we hide all that. All this intelligence is part of the network now. And as far as the people on it are concerned, they're just all in the same land together. And now, do you support the ability for a single user, for instance, to be associated with multiple lands or private lands in that case? Yeah, of course. So you, there could be overlap. So yeah, maybe I'm all in the management team, but also in, in want to get access to the finance network. So I can be part of the two networks. I was, I'm assuming that one of the things is encryption as you're, mm -hmm. how do you encrypt traffic or give me a private connection, however you want to call it, to a third party service such as Microsoft 365? How, how does that enter into it? So yeah, I haven't gone into how, how we actually do this. So there's a, an interesting, pretty unique architecture to, to this product. So like I said, most products in the past have been centralized. I mean, they're, they're centralized and they're IP-based. So you have some IP traffic. Mm -hmm. It goes through some box, VPN gateway, or maybe it's a newer SASE type product. So you have a, some pop somewhere in the world and it goes through that. But there's a gateway that it goes through. Right. Then it does something to it, some processing, and it does send it to the other side. That's how everything works. Um, again, not really a fit for a very distributed network because that right. doesn't work like that. Right. So, so what we're saying, okay, we have a cloud-based control plane that kind of orchestrates how everything talks to each other. And if I want to connect to you, 
and you know we're both in California. There's no reason for me to go through some gateway, you know, in Sacramento. If you're right. no south of me, I don't need to go through some pop. Uh, if you know you're, you're down the street, so we can basically mesh and connect every two point every every two points on the network directly. Yeah, I I get how you do that with two computers where I'm installing the software. What I'm trying to understand is how do you handle a third party application? Yeah, yeah. So that's the starting. So this is how if we are both in the, on the same network, uh, we have another important optimizations to that optimization to that, which is you know sometimes it's not the most efficient way. Many times it is, but maybe um, we're just testing. You know, uh, we're just testing some with some customer uh, going going out of China. So if you go out of China to Hong Kong, it's almost impossible. It's just amazingly uh, slow and, and bad quality. So in that case, if we actually uh, force a different route between the two points, not the direct route, then we can get way better results. So we can drop from you know 80% packet loss to no packet loss. And the way we do that is by saying, okay, great, we have all these public clouds around the world. We'll find the one location that's best suited to route the traffic from as, as what we call a waypoint. We, we call it a nitro relay in, in our lingo, but it's a relay. So if we push all the traffic between this computer in China to the service in Hong Kong through, I don't know, a different city, then that would make, make it a much better connection. So we have the ability to optimize and continuously optimize these connections by uh, putting in place these relays and to calculate the ideal location for these relays around the world. So, in, and this is mainly intended, though, for customers trying to secure their networks, right? Not necessarily providing faster access for a customer to say Microsoft 365, right? But it's really how do I secure my internal corporate networks, especially in these distributed environments or it's, networks it's between? So the, beauty, the beauty is it's both because again, if, if you solve it in one layer, then you get it to be faster and more secure. So, and more reliable at the same time, right? So, you know, if you're the CISO, maybe you're thinking more about the security side of it because you got this, you know, zero trust and encryption and all that. If you're on the more on the IT side, you think about the benefits of connectivity and and performance. So they're both part of the product. So in the case that Curtis talked about, right, a customer accessing Microsoft 365, so, yeah. would they then hit your relay, which would then be you know the closest route to go to the Microsoft 365 endpoint? Exactly. So in the case of a third-party uh, SaaS application, for example, then you know, assuming they're not running a NANDA on the other side, then we'll need to terminate it in a relay. So we'll find out what's the best relay between where you are and Office 365. And then we'll take you all the way there in the most efficient, secure way possible. And then we kind of lock it from that uh, relay to Office 365. Gotcha. That makes sense. So, so you get better yeah, performance. You get I can better see security. the benefits of doing it that way as well, because you get the performance and the security along the way, all the way up to as far as you can go. And if you can't go any further, it still seamlessly works with everything that's out there in the internet today. Exactly. So that, that's the cool. unique architecture behind it. Yeah, Thanks. no, that's actually pretty awesome. The, the nice thing, we, we've been testing it around the world and comparing it to the old VPNs that I was uh, ranting against before. And even the you know, more modern solutions, there's a, this, this sassy category that, that Gartner has been uh, touting. And surprising, I mean, not surprisingly, but, but uh, remarkably, it works much, much faster than these tools, right? Because we are not using the same old internet protocols. We are not backhauling the traffic to some gateway, kind of randomly located somewhere. Uh, we are doing these optimizations. 
So, you know, you can get, you know, it could be three times faster, it could be, you know, 80 times faster sometimes if you're trying to connect from here to Australia and the connection is really bad. So, you know, the worse uh, you are off, the more we can do for you. <laughs> Yeah, um, but but it's a, it's a, it's pretty cool, and and we do that without we're just leveraging a lot of different um, public clouds, right? So maybe in, it could be Amazon here, it could be um, you know Azure, it could be uh, Alibaba in China. We just leverage a lot of these resources. That's something that we you know we couldn't have done a few years ago, and you know find this optimal way of constructing a network for you that's really really secure, really fast, really reliable. And as far as the user is concerned, they're just using this new network. They don't even need to know all these details about how, how we go about doing that. Like if I think about this, one of the problems that we've seen in the past is sort of people accidentally routing traffic to the wrong locations, right? BGP routes incorrectly sending data to a country which it shouldn't be sending data to, right? These sort of issues. I'm assuming because you're controlling this overlay network, you can avoid a lot of these issues because you're okay. routing the traffic on your own rather than relying on general internet routing. Exactly. I mean, not exactly. So, so we we try all different ways when we connect. So, any two, what the NAND is trying to do is to connect any two points on the network in the most optimal way. Sometimes that's going to be, you know, the shortest route, depending, you know just uh, leveraging whatever the internet's going to provide you. Yep. And assuming that's good, sometimes it's good, right? Many times it's good. Many other times it's really bad, in which case you want to force a different route. Yep. And this is where, because BGP, like you said, we talk about v BGP design in the 80s, right? BGP doesn't try to give you the most, the fastest route. It tries to give you the cheapest route. That's what the internet was built for. We want to give you the VAP treatment because it's an ANDA. <laughs> so... So what we do is just like, okay, can we connect directly? If so, we'll connect directly. But if we can find a superior route that with this, this Nitro relay technology of ours, we'll basically switch you over and say, okay, actually, we can give you a better results now. And then if something changes an hour after that, we'll switch you back or find a different relay. So it's a very kind of dynamic uh, optimization. Yeah, it's interesting that, that it would be potentially sometimes faster to go via an indirect route. <laughs> that hurts my head <laughs> that hurts my head my head barely understands networking technology as it is because even when you think you're going direct the internet is really right it could it could route you around the globe as mm. far as you know because that's the cheapest way to get from a to b and this is not what you want if you have one high performance you're working from home you have you know industrial iot devices you know things that need to be reliable uh so it's really about you know improving that that core networking. So let let me let me let me try to put this sentence into a Curtis word <laughs> that I've that I've been trying to that I've been trying to say for the last several minutes, and then it, it's it's going to sound like uh, I'm insulting the company, and that's not my intention. Okay, how is this any different than like? Basically, it's just a VPN that everybody loads. Like, so help me understand. I, I think I, I think I know the answer to my question, but I mean, and part of it is about that routing. A lot of it is about that routing. But you, you say you wanted to fix the VPN thing, but <clears throat> in order to fix the VPN problem, you're essentially installing a VPN. Tell me, I mean, tell me how I'm wrong. I mean, technically, technically speaking, you can call this a VPN because it's a virtual, private, and a network. Mm -hmm. So the acronym fits. 
Like I said, it's it's, it's going to sound like I'm insulting the company. And that's not my intention. No, I mean, I think theoretically, you know, it matches the description. Also, if you talk about, you know, SD-WAN, security-defined WAN, mm-hmm. it also fits that. So it's secure. It's a, sorry, software. De- sorry, software-defined WAN, right? It's, a, right? it's software-defined. It changes the routing on the on the WAN on the internet connection. But actually, yes, the, the ironic thing about SD-WANs today, they are they come in boxes in appliances. So they're <laughs> software-defined, but they come in a in a box. That seems so, wrong. It is wrong. So I think we are probably. You can call us SD One and be more correct than the actual SD One product. Um, you're all, you're also like routing as a service. Yeah, I mean, there's, I mean you could call this you know, uh, identity defined perimeters. You know, software defined networks, networks as a service. There are so many um, acronyms and exp- you know. I, I I do like the idea this idea that you're going to create. A, like you're going to dynamically create a virtual private network between you and I, because you and I are authenticated and authorized to communicate with each other, right? That you're going to create one just for you and me, right? My my favorite uh, name for this field was by one analyst who, he calls this uh, fun, also works for the Ananda motif here. So fun is a framework, what's what's the F4? Something I don't say framework for unified networking or something like that. Interesting. So it's a uh, basically kind of yeah rebuilding the network right. So so um, VPN just to to answer your question, a, a VPN is uh, something that goes from typically from a client to a gateway and then from the gateway to the destination. It carries IP traffic. It tunnels it in a protocol using usually IPsec, which is kind of this ancient protocol and and that's about it so it doesn't do anything it just actually makes your traffic slower and and actually much less reliable because the protocols because of the routing because of everything it doesn't really solve anything around accessing the cloud you know you asked about SaaS and the internet doesn't really you know wasn't built to do any of that uh it's point to point so if i want to create a mesh between all these people around my company it, it wasn't designed for that so it's really, and, and then there's this zero trust component. So a VPN is pretty, pretty a uh, very coarse tool. So, you know, you open it up. Now my home network is now connected to my office network. That's great. <laughs> and, you know, everything that happens here can go anywhere. So you want a much, much more fine-grained access controls over it. So, so VPN is kind of a thing of the past, and it's still used a lot. But, but you know, I don't think this is the... Uh, where the industry is heading. To go back to the VPN piece, when you were talking about the home network being connected to your office network, so how is this that dynamic conversation thing that we talked about that makes your solution different in that regard? Like that that if I need to connect to, to you in the office or I need to connect to a service in the office, you're connecting literally my computer, my laptop to that server on a single virtual connection versus connecting my entire network to yes. that network. Yeah, it's a lot more granularity because I'm connecting, you know, exactly like this channel, right? I'm connecting these people to these servers, for example, and nothing else is allowed. You cannot go move laterally and, and try to, you know, maybe one of the computer got compromised and it's going to move laterally and infect everything else. So that's not allowed unless... So it has all these zero trust and segmentation built into it. So you can only access the specific from the specific node, specific nodes to the other nodes. Everything else is forbidden. Would you use it within the, a data center as well? Meaning, mm-hmm. specifying 
who can access, which servers can talk to which servers and which people can talk to which servers, even within a data center? To- totally. That's, that's, uh, that's actually one of the results of, of having this unified architecture because now, again, that's different from uh, other products, because now you don't need a different product for your traffic in the LAN, inside the LAN, to be different than the traffic from the remote, you know, remote access traffic, which you use a VPN for, to site, you know, branch to branch traffic, which you use an SD-WAN for, to, uh, you know, in the data center, we use like a service mesh for. It, it, you don't need these silos of different solutions for different types of traffic. We, this can work across the board for any direction, a type of traffic. And definitely you can use it in the data center. So even if you're accessing the web servers, it doesn't mean that you can access the database servers behind them because you need a segmentation there. So all that is built into the network concept. So yeah, the two things I was going to ask is, yeah, in the data center. So if I look today, right, you might be using VLANs or some other segmentation technology, but like you mentioned- What's a VLAN persona? A virtual LAN. It allows you to take a normal physical. Yeah, stop it, Curtis. <laughs> I always ask these questions of Curtis, so that's why he's making fun of me. Um, but I guess, like you mentioned, when you're coming from outside, right, you only have a VPN, and that's about it, right? There isn't really the ability to do the micro segmentation that you may want right. um, for that. Um, the other question I ask, though, is, and I'm sure you guys have solved this in a unique way, is. As I'm establishing all these connections, I can imagine that managing it and setting who has access to what gets very complicated. Like if I have 100 users and 100 different services or endpoints, if you will, right, creating this mesh and keeping it all straight could become complex. Is there something you guys do to help solve this from an admin perspective? I, I don't think it's as, as, as uh, complicated as, as you think. Because uh, I haven't shown you what it looks like, but it does look like Slack. So it's a lot like managing a Slack channel. And you're basically using identities of users and groups that are defined within your company. So that basically provides you with the the hierarchy of of what you want to do. So the only thing I need to do to connect all my finance people to all the finance system is grab that group, saying finance on it, and tell them what application they need to use. It's, It's very clean. It really takes... Uh, you know, it's funny. I, I can do a demo like that. It takes about two minutes and it's okay, we're done. <laughs> so it sits on top of like Active Directory or similar services. You know, Okta, Azure, all these services. So so if you borrow this hierarchy that's already predefined and there's nothing to do, there's no, nothing needs to be done on the network level because it's an overlay. So it's basically, that's actually itself. awesome because I think that's actually usually one of the trickiest parts is usually your networking is done very separate than your applications and your users and then trying to mesh everyone together just becomes a nightmare and you hope you never forget something. Oh, yeah. Well, let me go back to my rant from the beginning then because going back to the internet, the internet is based on IP addresses. So you know, VPNs, firewalls, all these security tools are essentially are using IP or everything is using IP as your identifier. And IP doesn't mean anything, right? I mean, I, I'm using this IP right now. Somebody else can spoof it. It's going to be used by somebody else tomorrow. But it's a, it's a really poor identifier for anything that has to do with security and also most of the networking stuff. It, it's something that's very, you know, short-lived. And not to mention if you have containers in the cloud and all that stuff, right? So if you think about it, what we are doing is creating this new layer that's based on identity. So I don't care what your underlying IP is. 
And if uh, this server was uh, talking about, you know, backup to the cloud, right? Maybe the server was, I was backing, backing up something to my data center and tomorrow I want to move it to the cloud. I, I can just move this same machine to the cloud. It's going to still have the same identity. So I don't need to reroute anything. I don't need to reconfigure a VPN or a firewall. Everything is the same because the network works based on the identity of the device, not its network configuration, its IP address, anything like that. That's physical location. Awesome. Because this, uh, when customers are migrating VMs or their workloads between on-premises, the cloud, or between data centers or systems, right? That's where things start to break. It's like, oh, now you have to go change all your DNS settings. You have to reconfigure your networks. You have to right. potentially stretch the network between your cloud and on-premises. But here, like you said, the identity is tied to that device. And so it doesn't care where that is. You can always find it. Exactly. And by the way, some, some people also... Uh, it's not always migration to the cloud. I was, I was talking to some some companies in there. At some point, they see, oh, this is actually getting too expensive in the cloud because you think it's cheap, but then some you know people spinning up more and more machines. Maybe you want to take it back. Again, doesn't matter. Uh, you can take it back. It's the same, and it's going to still work. I, I I think I've wrapped my brain around this, and and this has been a great discussion. And I'm going to ask like one more question, and then it, you know, looking at the time, I think it's time for us to sort of wrap things down here. How do you? Because you don't have a box, like all of my, you know, all of my brain stuff of how uh, security works inside a data center is all about boxes, right? And VLANs and, and VPNs and all those things. If you don't have a box, how do you encrypt server to server traffic within a data center? Well, the best way is to install this agent on each server, each container, whatever, because then you get this granular security all the way down to that specific device. It can kind of self defend right that would mean that you need agents for basically all the things yes uh, so, that's... so do, do you handle older you know more like the, the, the various unixes out there or are we just talking windows and linux and things like that we, we do linux we do all, all the major operating system mobile but but you're right so, you know maybe there's a you know some people have especially in the industrial um space that we and we have a lot of customers very interested in the industrial side of things because of their you know security reliability is incredibly important and maybe they have windows like 98 or something because that's the only thing that works with the specific machine and yeah we don't run on windows 98 i can tell you we also don't run on the device on some sort of a industrial appliance right but what about the commercial unixes that have that are still out there but just not they're not new you know so, like so, solaris, so solaris aix uh yeah, you we know, don't have any AIX. Solaris? Any any of those Unixes or just Linux? No, no Linux. So what we do, I mean, we could obviously support it, but but uh, the, the solution, there's always going to be something, you know, if it's a, some IoT device, right? We cannot run an IoT device. So what we do in that case is basically run as a gateway. So you can install it on a virtual machine or, you know, want a, you want a physical appliance, you know, install. We have a choice of physical appliances as well. But we provide you the software. You just configure it to run in gateway mode. And then you connect the entire network, your IoT device, your ancient server. That's not a problem. OK. So yeah, we have thought about that. And it's, it's, not, it's not hard to solve. It's just interesting because literally our, our, the last recording, the recording that was published today um, the, uh, is actually uh, it's, uh, some backup software from a company uh, that they do a lot, that, that they sort of specialize in all of those older 
uh, Unix uh, platforms. It's hard to find backup software that does that these days. Even in the context of backup, uh, we've had some discussion with companies doing doing backup because mm-hmm. backup means that you're taking data from endpoints either in the data center or people's homes right now, and you need to you need to go you know traverse the internet to some data center or some cloud. And again, that, I think the, there's a, you know better than I do probably, there's a big bottleneck there. Mm-hmm. So if you can make that bottleneck better and make it more secure at the same time, you know, there's something there. So, so we have, we've been having some discussions about solving these types of problems as well. Persona, is your, is your mind blown? I, I, not blown. I like the tech. <laughs> yeah. I, sorry, it is mind blowing. I'm not confused. So yes, I did follow all, all okay. the discussions. I, I, so yeah, I, I think yeah. I did too. I think I did too. I I I, I had a number of times along it where I was like, but what if, uh, you know? And then he had an answer for that. So well, all right. No, so. No, I, I, people do have some take a few minutes to adjust to the way we do things. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not unique that people are kind of hmm, you know, going hmm. But, but I think once you you know once you see it in action and once you actually install and use it, and you know mm-hmm. if it takes you ten minutes and it's up and running, then you're convinced. Um, but, but it does take kind of getting your mind around it. Interesting. Which is how right. I think a lot of new technologies come about, right? The first time someone sees it, they're like, uh, that's not how I normally think about things. But as they sort of think about it and try it out, like you said, that they're like, oh, wow, why didn't this exist from day one? Where's your box? Where's yeah. the box that you put in? <laughs> yes. Where's the box? Yeah. We get, we get that a lot at Druva. Yeah. Where's your, you where's your box? Yeah. Because we're, we're, we're data protection as a service, right? So they, yeah, they want to know. Right? Yeah, yeah, they want it. They want us to put it. Don't you have an on-prem component? Like, no, well, you know, I mean, we have we have a a cache if you want to, you know, cache your data locally. But that's we we don't have an appliance to sell, right? That's same, exactly same, the same. same. You want the elasticity yeah. of the cloud, right? You don't yeah. want to be confined to yeah. Right. It's a beautiful. It's a brave. It's a it's a beautiful, brave new world. Exactly. Um, all right. Well, <laughs> well, Adi, thanks a lot for for coming on. Okay. Great. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, thanks, Adi. Yeah, definitely great technology. We'll keep an eye on where things go, and we wish you the best of luck. Okay, great. And, thanks so much. And uh, thanks to the listeners for uh, hanging out. For it's a bit of a different podcast for us today, but we're all we're you know we're always concerned about just keeping your data safe. Um, and and if if by putting in a tool like this, you uh, can can prevent uh, the kinds of attacks that cause you to reach for your backup and DR system, then I am perfectly fine with that. So uh, make sure to subscribe uh, so that you can restore it all. There was a file, but I deleted it. Too bad your backup system isn't worth a spit. Finally, I needed your backup. You had chance to fix it instead it's all jacked up see how i'll write on facebook about you don't underestimate the things that i will do there was a file but i deleted it too bad your backup system isn't worth the space
It'll be completely done. Maybe.